0: The moment you've
1: all been waiting for, it's time for the Steak for Breakfast
0: podcast.
2: It's Friday, February 9th, 2024, and this is the Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 330 and 331. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast linktree, they'll take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social.
3: What's up everybody, and welcome to the first of two Big Friday editions of the show we got going on today. I'm Ro, Noah will be joining me in just a bit. We've got a great slate of guests coming in here. Retired Air Force Colonel Rob Manis will be joining us. Constitutional Attorney Christina Bob will be here as well. We'll sit down for a big announcement with Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale. Kingsley Wilson of the D.C. Young Republicans will be here, and Donald Trump's favorite Substack writer Paul Ingrassi will be joining us as well. I usually say lots of breaking news, but we had about a year's worth in 12 hours of time yesterday. Donald Trump won the Nevada caucus, and Tucker Carlson broke the internet again. We'll check those both out. Joe Biden has cleared in his documents case from the special counsel, but was it really a deep state hit job? We'll analyze. The U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the Trump versus Colorado ballot removal case. We'll be taking a look at that. And Donald Trump held a press conference down at Mar-a-Lago following the Supreme Court hearing oral arguments. We'll check in with that and everything else that's going up on Capitol Hill right now. But before we get into any of our interviews, let's dive right into these headlines and change the way you consume your news. Monkey, this
4: is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules.
2: <laughs> Today, Junior!
5: Four. So stand by.
3: All right, everybody. Welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roe. Noah's here. Yo. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a time listener, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast. And we're jumping right into the headlines today. Donald Trump won a huge victory last night in the Nevada and Virgin Island caucuses, upping his primary and caucus record to four and zero. Noah. There was not going to be a case for anything to be made last night except a Donald Trump win and a grabbing up of all the delegates because no one else was on the ballot. Nikki Haley, we'll hear from her coping and seething later, decided to be in the primary, held on February 6th, where she lost to none of the above. We'll, we'll hear from Donald Trump weighing in on that a little bit
2: later as well. None of these candidates. Hmm. Amazing.
3: When you saw how this all shook out yesterday, it was never going to be in question just how big. Last time I checked, it was around 98% of the vote in the Nevada caucus for the one other I'm air quoting now candidate on the ballot. And uh, Donald Trump had a major victory again in, in Nevada and the Virgin islands. What do you think?
2: Yeah, there was no way that there was going to be any other result other than Trump's just devastatingly epic fucking wiping of the table with anybody who was possibly against him in in that particular part of the world. It's amazing.
3: When you talk about a mandate that Donald Trump's gathering for himself, going state by state now uh, an historic win in Iowa A amazing turnout as far as Republicans go in New Hampshire. And now with the Nevada caucus and and Virgin Island caucuses in the book, we're solely focused on South Carolina, ahead of Michigan, and then Super Tuesday, where he will become the Republican nominee. But before we dive directly into this, Noah, I can't believe the amount of shit that came out across the newswire yesterday. You know, when I saw Donald Trump getting some wins at the Supreme Court after hearing oral arguments yesterday into that baseless case, the Colorado ballot removal one, you know, Joe Biden had a little bit of a day too. Uh, his special counsel gave a verdict and uh, it was pretty damning not just for his case against you know the fact that he took documents to his house and we'll, we'll dive into this in our next news segment but to his presidency and his legacy when you read between the lines of what the ruling was in this case yesterday was like one of the weirdest news days that and we've been doing this for over 5 years now that I've ever seen. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it's wild. I mean, when when you When you think about what you would expect to actually happen in, like, a sane world and then what actually happens in the real world lately, like, whether it's politics or, you know, people protesting in Europe over agriculture, like, it's just. Sure. Nobody had this on their bingo card.
3: No, they certainly didn't. And uh, Fox News broke first yesterday in calling the race for Donald Trump out in Nevada. Let's hear it.
2: Breaking news before I get to you, Mahek, we are now been told that the Associated Press has called Nevada, the caucuses, for President Trump. He will take all twenty-six delegate elite delegates, at least that is the prediction. And when we get more information on this, we of course will bring it. President Trump there winning the Nevada caucuses, as we thought. No surprise here. The primary was on Tuesday, and you recall Nikki Haley came in like thirty points behind, no candidate <laughs> particularly, so she lost <laughs> to nobody. Gotta love that.
3: Thanks, Trace Gallagher, for the little uh, dig there at Nikki Haley. I know he's really good friends with Cash Patel. Cash was on with him last night. My wife and I were watching it in the living room when he was on, and then I was texting him, hey, I was looking at your ugly face on TV. He's like, no, seriously, how do I look? How do I sound? I was like, dude, you always bring the fire. So mentioning Nikki Haley, we all know that she didn't participate in the caucus. We all know why Donald Trump was going to actually smack the shit out of her in the race and, and make it even more embarrassing than it already looks ahead of South Carolina now, where Donald Trump is still... Not only a double digit, but an over 30 point favorite to win the state that Nikki Haley was the governor in for a term and a half. You know, she sat down with several people throughout the week and talked about why she didn't participate in the Nevada caucus. Noah, when you hear her excuse and for all the shit that people have given Donald Trump over the course of the last three years now in regards to the 2020 presidential election. You're going to be pretty shocked to hear what she used as an out to not participate. Let's hear it. Does that situation in Nevada hurt a little bit?
5: No. I mean, Nevada, it's such a scam. They were supposed to have a primary. Trump rigged it so that the GOP chairman, who's been indicted, would rigged go it. and create a caucus. We knew months ago that we weren't going to spend a day or a dollar in Nevada oh. because it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't even count Nevada. That wasn't anything we were looking at. Oh. We knew that it was rigged oh. from the start. Sure. Our focus is on South Carolina, Michigan, Super Tuesday. So if you look what we did in Iowa and you look what we did in New Hampshire, we're continuing to grow. That's you what matters, I think, more than anything them. else. But look at what <laughs> happened this week. Here you have. Republicans lost a major vote on the border. Mm -hmm. Republicans lost a major vote on Israel. Donald Trump was found that he will not have immunity in all of these court cases coming up. The RNC chair is fired. Mm -hmm. All of this chaos is happening around us, and Donald Trump's fingerprints are on every bit of it. We can't continue as the Republican Party to go forward with this chaos, you don't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. Oh, and that's why we've got... Scissor me, Tambert!
3: It's enough out of her. You know... What a joke. Yeah, first she says the election was rigged and stolen. That's completely, a complete fabrication by her. There, there was no rigged and stolen. You chose not to be on that. And this is what happened in the state of Nevada.
2: So now she's an election denier? Uh,
3: essentially so. This, the, the Republican Party of Nevada has always run the caucus there. The state... Which is not the Republican Party of Nevada wanted to move to a more traditional primary. I get nervous when they say traditional primary because then we get leading right. down the pathways and those yeah and those purple states of rank choice voting, where you could be the top candidate and finish third essentially. So the Nevada GOP said you could do whatever the fuck you want. We control the delegates. We're having a caucus. So the state of Nevada said fine. We'll run a primary and it won't count for shit. Nikki Haley chose to participate in that, and that was her excuse after she said, look at the results that we got in Iowa. Look at the results we got in New Hampshire. Loss, loss. And I just can't believe that she's still hanging on to this fantasy. Like, I understand the big donors and stuff like that. And you want me to tell you how I know we're definitely telling the truth here and that it's just a big fucking scam for nothing but money and fame and future jobs. And Chris Christie just announced that he's putting out another new book. So there you go.
2: Is it a cookbook?
3: (laughs) I thought it was going to be like America's Best Restaurants or something like a, a review. And, you know, it's just it's silly because, you know, when you start to break this down of what she's doing, there's consultants who are continuing to get paid from the millions of dollars that donors are paying her for being a Never Trumper now. And they're just saying, oh, hang on, hang on. I mean, she lied about the presidential immunity thing. It's going to the Supreme Court. We're going to hear oral arguments on that as well next week. So even though there's been a ruling on Donald Trump not having immunity in regards to January 6th, that's not what the final ruling is going to be. And she just tries to, it's, it's a continuation of the disenfranchisement of Donald Trump and his electability to everyone outside of the MAGA base. That's what these people do. They just go on TV, they try to leave egg on his face, and then run away because they know he claps back hard.
2: Yeah, they're trying to convince the the low-information voters that Donald Trump doesn't have a chance anyway, so they better just get behind her just because.
3: Yeah, and it's just a damn shame that, you know, so many people, it's like I want to tell Donald Trump I'm sorry for how the government and the justice system and, and everybody else has treated him since he left office. And just when you look at the chaotic nature of everything right now, in concordance with what happened yesterday and the ruling in Joe Biden's special counsel case, It's ugly. What wasn't ugly last night was Donald Trump taking a victory lap in Nevada. I pulled one clip from Las Vegas where he spoke following the caucus victory. Let's hear him.
0: So go back home, rest, and then come back because we're going to turn this whole thing around. If we win the state of Nevada, it's over for them. And our country's going to be better, greater, bigger, more beautiful than ever before. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you all. God bless you. Thank you.
3: Got to get a little bit of Donald Trump dancing in there that set up nice. that mental image for our listenership. He was flanked by Governor Doug Burnham of North Dakota and his wife who have been big supporters on the trail since he got out of the presidential race as well. I think he's going to make a fantastic Secretary of the Interior or the Energy Secretary or the Secretary of Commerce in the next Trump administration and it's good to see him out there towing the line. Cash Mattel was also there. I'm sure Rick Grinnell was there as well. Kind of weird though. You know who appeared in the back of the room? Who? In a tracksuit? That was kind Blancy? of close. You hate him equally as much. And he gives him all the monies. Wearing like high water track suits, no sea socks and like kind of bulging diabetes ankles, former disgraced speaker of the house and congressman, Kevin McCarthy.
2: <laughs> In a track suit. Yeah, With it was it, ankles showing. It was weird. Doesn't he know? Doesn't he know showing your ankles is a sign of weakness? <laughs>
3: Exactly. Oh man. It, it, like Donald Trump's up there and it's almost right at that. Thank you, Nevada. We love you, Nevada. We'll see you soon. Boom. Hit hold on. I'm coming. And then whoever was filming, I, I saw it on social media. They like were looking at Trump and they panned across the whole room and in the back of the room standing there with his arms folded was Kevin McCarthy. And they zoomed in to make sure, yes, it's Kevin McCarthy. And then back over to Trump as he's doing a little dance. And it was just kind of weird the way that, you know, He says he's going to support him in a a future administration. A lot of people think he's lobbying for a job. I don't think Donald Trump's ever going to let that happen. I see it being like, no, you know that iconic picture of Donald Trump like giving the big smirk while he's eating dinner with Mitt Romney who wanted to be the Secretary of State, and then he kind of like kicked him out of the dinner and basically told him to go fuck himself? Yeah. Well, if, if history continues to repeat itself as much as it frequently does these days, then I could see Kevin McCarthy potentially being the Mitt Romney of 2025.
4: Oof.
3: Yeah. going to be interesting to see how things shake down. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, no matter what platform it's on, hopefully it's Apple, but we're also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you're following the Stake for Breakfast podcast. Make sure we're downloading to your electronic device. Helps us out big time. Also on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram is where you can find us. Follow the accounts. Hit the notification bell. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Because while Donald Trump was winning, and SCOTUS was hearing, and Joe Biden was losing, Tucker Carlson was breaking the internet again. Well over 100 million views just on X, and released a day previously on Tucker Carlson's streaming news outlet now. He was in Moscow and sat down for a very long, very history-based interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Noah, did you hear anything about this?
2: Uh, I meant to go jump on and listen to listen to most of it, but of course got busy and didn't didn't get to see it yet. so I'm looking forward to hearing uh, the little excerpts that you've curated for the show today. You know the memes that have come out
3: <laughs> I can't even listen. It starts off with Tucker Carlson just asking like a generic question about the war with Ukraine and Vladimir Putin essentially leads into it with... Now listen, if I can just have between 30 seconds and one minute, I will give you a brief rundown of Russian history regarding this issue. And then I'm listening, and he's like, back in 1880-something. And I was like, how the hell is he going to explain? Long story short, this is at like the three-minute mark. Before Tucker could even ask like a segue question, Putin goes from like the three-minute mark to the eight-minute mark. Long story short, it's like 22 minutes telling the history of Russian, everything from like the Russian nation getting baptized to the rise of the Soviet Union to countries that felt emboldened to claim their own countryship and what this point in time means. And every time Tucker Carlson tried to get like some commentary in there, Vladimir Putin said, Are you listening? Or would you like this to be a serious conversation or would you like this to be like one of your shows? And it was like (laughs) Tucker Carlson quickly realized that he wasn't going to Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin. And I don't want to say it was like complete propaganda, but if this was a guy making the case for himself and what's going on there and, and he essentially set it up as like Ukraine is part of the historical motherland. This is a battle for the lifeblood of Orthodox Catholicism and the denazification of Europe, that's where he left it. And when you just listen to those stipulations and you take every other component, including the players, off the table and just read or hear those words, it doesn't sound as awful as everybody is making it to be. In addition to that, Noah, you know, so many people in the news, like the big-time interviewers on all these shows over the years, you know, 60 Minutes and all the other... Big outlets where they're known for interview. Everybody from Barbara Walters to Dan Rather and everyone in between has sat down and interviewed Vladimir Putin or people adjacent to him. And it's just kind of uh, wild to see how much hatred Tucker Carlson has gotten. Everybody on social media is calling for him to be publicly hung, having his citizenship stripped. And they, really? they dusted off some of the big guns. They, for- they know
2: he's not the only person who's ever interviewed Vladimir Putin, right?
3: Apparently not. And the first person that wanted to try and spread that smear of disinformation was none other than the Russian-U.S. relations reset button queen herself, former disgraced Secretary of State and failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Of course, a day before the Tucker interview came out, she decided to jump on no other than MSNBC to talk about it. Let's hear it.
6: The first American, I'll say journalist, uh, to interview Putin since the war in Ukraine began. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you about Tucker Carlson and right-wing media and also Vladimir Putin? Well, it shows me what I think we've all known. He's what's called a useful idiot. I mean, if you actually read translations of what's being said on Russian media, they make fun of him. I mean, he's like a puppy dog. You know, he somehow has, after having been fired from so many outlets in the United States, He, uh, I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with a Russian outlet, because he is a useful idiot. He says things that are not true. He parrots Vladimir Putin's uh, pack of lies about Ukraine. Uh, so I don't see why Putin wouldn't give him an interview, because through him, he can, you know, continue to lie about what his, you know, objectives are in Ukraine and and, uh, you know, what he expects to see happen. It's really quite sad that not just somebody like Tucker Carlson, who has, as I said, been fired so many times because oh. he seems unable oh. to, you know, correlate his reporting with the truth, but also because. He, it's a sign that there are people in this country right now who are like a fifth column for Vladimir Putin. And why, I don't know. I mean, why are certain Republicans throwing their lot in? Why are you know other Americans basically believing uh, Putin. Why did Trump believe Putin more than our eleven intelligence agencies? Hmm, I don't know. Do you have a working I theory? I do have a working theory. Oh, oh. And but but it's 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 more than just the political partisan advantage. There is a yearning for leaders who can kill and imprison their opponents, destroy the press, uh, lead a life that is one of impunity, unbound by any laws. There's a yearning among certain people in our country for that kind of leadership, and I find that absolutely gobsmacking terrifying. Fuck you.
3: I hate you. I think we all speak on behalf of Tucker Carlson when we heard that steaming pile of crap. Noah, you had to have loved that.
2: Uh, It's just so gross and just disgusting to listen to. Just heard. Oh, he's just been fired so many times. And how many times has he been fired? How many times has Hillary Clinton been fired by the American
3: people? Right? She got fired from the most important job in the history of the planet. So I don't know what she, uh, you know, has to say about that. But when you talk about this, this was big. I, I think, you know, when it's like, and some of the things that they talked about, the next clip that we're going to hear, and, and for our listenership, that's only heard the podcast, you know, we don't have video, uh, Tucker Carlson put this out in audio and video form as well. We're going to pull an audio clip of it. it. It is obviously through interpreters, so bear with us here. That's not one of us doing a really bad impersonation of Vladimir Putin. But, you know, he made a couple, I would say, I don't even want to say good points, decent points, and says that the decisions in the United States right now, especially when it comes to things like the war in Ukraine, these are decisions that are made by a ruling class, not by the president, not by, he's talking about this administration now. And, uh, you know, I I think it lends credit to how much influence the lobbyist groups and things like the military industrial complex have over control of the world. Let's hear it.
7: Yes, we understand and are aware that in the United States, despite all the economic problems, the situation is still normal with the economy growing decently. The GDP is growing by 2.5%, if I'm not mistaken. But if we want to ensure the future, then we need to change our approach to what is changing. As I already said, the world would nevertheless change, regardless of how the developments in Ukraine end. The world is changing. In the United States themselves, experts are writing that the United States are nonetheless gradually changing their position in the world. It is your experts who write that. I just read them. The only question is how this would happen, painfully and quickly, or gently and gradually. And this is written by people who are not anti-American, they simply follow global development trends, that's it. And in order to assess them and change policies, we need people who think, look forward, can analyze and recommend certain decisions.
3: You know, my biggest takeaway from this whole thing, It was one two-minute snippet between Tucker Carlson and and Vladimir Putin when they were going back and forth just talking about things. Do you realize that he hasn't talked to Joe Biden person-to-person
2: in over two years now? I mean, why would he? He's not talking to the person who's in charge.
3: That's true, but when you just talk about the history of American politics and when there are
2: hot zones on the planet, you know what? Yeah, even even if it's just like a face-to-face for just – the fact that people just want to see it, mm-hmm. it would have been done. Yeah.
3: And, and Putin was like, well, there, there are still people at, at very high levels of government who are in contact with each other. But, you know, it, when you talk about them getting on a phone call and, and being able to accomplish what Tucker Carlson did over the course of nearly two hours earlier this week, when essentially the greatest war in the history of the galaxy is being conducted on the Russian-Ukraine border, it's kind of alarming to me, raises a red flag, not so much after seeing the special counsel ruling on Joe Biden's document case yesterday, which we're going to be talking about in our next news segment. But just in general, I think, you know, it, it is pretty alarming. We we've seen Lo- Lloyd Austin off the grid. We know general Millie, Noah's favorite transgender general leave office and, and, and no longer serves in the government. And then when you talk about some of our, well, the rest of the military apparatus around the country right now between Jake Sullivan and Tony Blinken. No one's ever going to rein Putin in. And, you know, we had that changing of the guard between the highest-ranking military officials. Zelensky finally was able to get him out of there and probably moving himself a little bit closer to an eventual military coup if he doesn't change direction in what's going on with Ukraine right now. Well, it's been announced that Ukraine wants to take a different direction on what's going on in the war right now. So we are gonna see some movement there. But you know, when they got off the case of Joe Biden, I think the outgoing part of that section of the interview was Vladimir Putin said like, you know, where the US is right now and what they stand for and how they act, they really don't have any business meddling in, in Russian and Ukrainian affairs. Let's hear it.
7: Do the United States need this? What for? thousands of miles away from your national territory. Don't you have anything better to do? (laughs) You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt, more than 33 trillion dollars. You have nothing better to do, so you should fight in
2: Ukraine? Wouldn't
7: it be better to negotiate with Russia? make an agreement, already understanding the situation that is developing today.
3: Pretty wild. He just kind of lays it out there. We can have peace in the region or we can continue to do what obviously isn't hurting him. He he talked about everything from like how America used to dominate the global market and just every single aspect except energy. And now they've dropped like nearly 14% over the course of the last couple of decades. decades. Uh, how more worrisome china should be the united states and russia but they continue to ignore and empower them they talked about the rise of the BRICS nations and how there's now dueling economies on the world and and there's a chance that the dollar might not be you know used in everybody's energy trade anymore and there was a lot of stuff that you just don't hear in the mainstream media because they've demonized putin so bad and i'm not saying listen the guy's a ruthless killer he's a dictator and a tyrant to like the definition textbook however you don't want these wars to go on forever because the only thing that's happening at this point is all of our military equipment is either getting destroyed or sold on the black market that we send over there and people are dying i mean no you have to agree with me there nothing fruitful is going to come out of this because When you just look at the numbers at the end of the day, everyone from Colonel McGregor now to the mainstream media is starting to finally come to terms with the fact that over 500,000 Ukrainians have died, including
2: over 250,000 people that were in their military. And then on top of that, all the Ukrainians that have basically just hit the ejector seat and bailed out of the region. Sure. Like, I mean, how many people did they have? And how many people are dead? And how many people just vacated the country? And... Obviously, when Putin knew this this interview was happening well in advance, I'm sure had had a lot of time to carefully curate what his responses were going to be. And yes, it, you know, we're the first to admit that there's probably a lot of Russian propaganda mixed into all that stuff. But at the base of it, he's he's right about Ukraine being you know historically Russian, or not maybe Ukraine, but portions of the Ukraine mm-hmm. historically Russian. Well, portions Man.
3: of Ukraine are historically Hungarian too and Tucker Carlson said, "Well, yep. are you are you going to call Hungary and ask them if they're going to take part of their historical land?" He's like, "No, we don't talk to Hungary about that stuff. We're talking about this part of Ukraine." Yeah. It's got to stop. It's got to come, you know, John Kirby today at the White House press pool. No, Americans should not, this is what he said, verbatim, Americans should not believe anything Vladimir Putin says during Tucker Carlson's interview. They should remember that they are listening to Vladimir Putin and nothing should be taken at face value. End quote. Gotta love it. But I did, I, I did get at least one cope and seethe. You know, while everybody was talking about this and it was getting hyped up on social media last night, apparently, the most trusted name in news, CNN, Reached out to the Kremlin for comment and the answer that they were given didn't sit well with the host. Let's hear it.
8: Putin talks to an American friend. The Russian president turning to right-wing conspiracy theorist Tucker Carlson to speak. Carlson's conversation with Putin is expected to be released momentarily. It is a conversation that the Kremlin is eager for the world to see. Well, why? For that, just listen to the answer from Putin's spokesman fawning over Carlson.
2: We receive many requests for interviews with the president. There is no desire to communicate with such media outlets. And there is hardly any point in it. There is hardly any benefit from it. <laughs> he has a position that differs from the others.
8: He, Carlson, has a position that differs from the others. And so, while Putin sees no benefit in sitting down for an interview with oh. a journalist, he does see benefit from a conversation with Carlson.
3: <laughs> Coped Yeah. Awful. The way that they kind of just... Listen, there was bits and pieces of information, and I'm not talking about all the historical bullshit they went down. You know, it was... There was a lot of reading between the lines there, and you could tell that... Hopefully, this opens up the doors to some cease firing and peace happening over in Eastern Europe right now. Because I think we need it, just like we need Colonel Rob Madness. who's going to be jumping in with us right now to get our interview started today. Before we hear from him, let's check in with one of our partners.
2: This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs, Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. It can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram. Manrose. Use the code STAKE15 for 15% off your order. All right, joining us first on the show today, the first of two big
3: all new Friday editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's a retired U.S. Air Force combat veteran. He's also a survivor of the 9 11 terrorist attack on the Pentagon. I'm not going to say what show he hosts because I'm just about to reintroduce him back to the show. Colonel Rob Madness, welcome back.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on.
3: Well, well I'm still catching my breath from yesterday because we had about a year's worth of news in about 12 hours of daylight, and it was absolutely wild. You know, I was thinking after what seemed like uh, Donald Trump getting a big W at the Supreme Court yesterday, even though there hasn't been a ruling or a brief put out yet, you could tell by even some of the leftist judges there were like, "Mm, this doesn't really hold water in regards to keeping him off the ballot. I said there's no way with the Nevada caucus last night, that Donald Trump was going to be able to take all these W's into the weekend and completely dominate the weekend news cycle. And lo and behold, we, we had a lot of other breaking news come out during the day. You know, we saw the uh, Joe Biden special counsel ruling, followed by a really bad press conference, and, you know, some news out on Capitol Hill that that's showing how dysfunctional our government really is at this moment. So, Colonel, you do all these politics. You're dialed into just about everything going on. When you saw all this stuff just unfolding yesterday. How did it kind of register with you?
1: Well, you know, uh, the interesting thing is the SCOTUS uh, briefing, I listened to uh, almost, ni- well, 99.9% of it, except for when I got interrupted a couple of times. And Initially, uh, my assessment, and I'm no expert on SCOTUS rulings, but I am, I can understand English and, and listen to who's talking and who's asking what question. I'm like, well, this is probably going to be a 7-2 ruling in Trump's favor, Uh, you know. But as you got towards the end of the briefings, and you have to be careful with this, because sometimes the opposing justices will ask questions that make it sound like they're uh, on one side, uh, but they're really on the other. And I think they're just trying to get the opinion at, you know, to see what what their folks are thinking. Correct yeah you know uh but uh but i mean he might he's got a possibility of getting a nine to nothing uh, uh ruling on that you know and, and i said a while back that it should be a nine to nothing ruling because even katanji jackson uh, marxist and un uh, and unable to define a woman uh, as she is uh has to realize that for the sake of the court and its credibility that they have to go with the constitution of the United States yep. and the law. Uh, uh, and that, uh, of course, there is no precedent. There is a, gr- a case, uh, I think, from the 1870s called Griffin, I believe, uh, that was decided by SCOTUS, but it didn't set precedent. Yeah, convenient, isn't it, uh, that uh, that talks about this issue. In that case, if you review it on its face, would be in favor of Trump being on the ballot in this Colorado case completely thrown out. And that's what it should be. It should be thrown out by the SCOTUS 9 to nothing and completely crushed, stomped in the dirt, spit on and thrown in the toilet and flushed Uh, because uh, uh, those justices out there, even some of their leftist counterparts uh, said that it was a stupid decision and it was unlawful uh, and completely against what uh, the American people believe in when you read our founding documents and our law Constitution. Yeah, as
3: you You saw, just about each and every justice systematically go through not only the arguments, but the fact that there's been no charges brought against Donald Trump in regards to this matter, which means there will be obviously no convictions. So, you know, they're taking opinion-based hearsay and feelings and emotion and then having the most radical judges, attorney generals, state Supreme Court's rule in favor of this narrative. The only thing that kind of doesn't really worry me because Donald Trump is really starting to pick up steam I think nationally he's just resonating with different types of people that he didn't in 2020 probably did in 2016 I don't know if all of the people that are kind of in tune to what he's bringing to the table now may have voted for him back then but they're more than likely to this time around but the thing is is that the disenfranchisement of Donald Trump continues not only just in his wallet for having to pay these ridiculously high legal fees, you know, tens of millions of dollars. He's racked up in legal fees and every single one of them is a witch hunt. Every single one of them comes from a corrupt court judge or district attorney. And when even you look at the special counsel cases, the, the January 6th one, which is the one that brought a lot of anxiety to people around Donald Trump when it was first brought out, even that's starting to fall apart now. And it all starts and ends with this ruling
1: Yeah, and and, you know the case down in uh, in Florida, the classified documents case uh, uh, is going to fall apart. I've said it from the very beginning. It's 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 based on uh, rules of handling uh, classified information that don't apply to the president of the United States. Uh, It's obvious, uh, you know, and then this the second huge piece of news, Uh, other than. I don't know what percentage Mr. Trump got in Nevada, but I, uh, I've been calling for every state primary that we absolutely crush it so that there's no question that there any other Republican like Never Nikki yeah. uh, 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 could be the nominee this year. I think it, the last number I saw uh, early this morning at like one o'clock was like ninety-seven point two percent. Yep, Mr. Trump. So fantastic on that news. Uh, uh, but the, the bigger news uh, on the cases uh, against him and the law for, lawfare against him, which is just, it's just, if, if I ever get to see him face-to-face again, I'm just going to apologize as somebody that's worked in the government for three decades uh, for the, the United States government and what it's doing to this man and his family. It's, it's just absolutely despicable. I can't say that enough. But anyway, uh, so Joe Biden uh, gets his special counsel report uh, out on his, uh classified mishandling. And keep in mind the the context here. The case against Mr. Trump is against a, a he was a sitting president when he declassified information the information. Uh, as a sitting president, he's authorized to collect his records and take him with him uh, when he, as he determines. And he's authorized an office with a sensitive compartmented information facility, storage facility, uh, to be funded and built. At the place that he desires it to be, and uh, uh, his documents that were raided were actually secured and even improved security based on the recommendations not of the Secret Service but of the folks at the Department of Justice and the National Archives uh, when they actually when they finally came in and raided him for publicity purposes uh, uh, and to try to interfere with this election. So the difference between him and joe biden is that's the president of the united states who has unfettered classification and declassification authority if he looked at those boxes uh in his office uh on january 20th and said those are now unclassified uh, i'm taking them with me that is perfectly acceptable legal activity for the president of the united states but joe biden was vice president vice president of the united states and he had thirty-eight files of top-secret information in his garage and uh, his office at the U- University of Pennsylvania, where his foundation was that manned by Chinese people. As a matter of fact, some of it, uh, uh, and then and then another some odd nineteen or twenty files, not documents, but files uh, of secret marked information sitting in a garage at his house, completely not secured. They found, if you read the, uh, the document that her put out yesterday, they found docu- classified documents with handwritten notes in the margins all over the man's house. So it wasn't just in the boxes in the garage. And they found that his ghostwriter, he had communicated and disclosed classified information to his ghostwriter, and, and the ghostwriter destroyed the tapes. That's called obstruction of justice. And I don't imagine the ghostwriter did it on their own, uh, quite frankly. Uh, so that's the, the major issues. The Vice President of the United States has no declassification or classification authority other than what is delegated to him by the President of the United States. And, and in this case, the Vice President has not delegated the authority to declassify those documents to take him with him for his personal papers to have end up in the, uh, end up in the National Archives eventually. Those documents were in his possession for 15 years. Think about the difference there, that uh, this case should be thrown out on his ear in Florida. Judge Cannon, I call on you to do it immediately. The man is not guilty of a crime. He was the president of the United States and is a former president and has all the law of the Presidential Records Act behind, uh, on his side, and the Espionage Act cannot apply in Trump's case. But in Biden's case, because of that, Because he has no authority to do that, because he has shared that information and it's documented, uh, because it was not stored properly uh, ever, uh, and it was just haphazardly some of it strewn around his house, uh, he has violated the Espionage Act. That's the difference right there. And he's not going to be prosecuted. And that's the other big piece of big news, because he's not mentally able to stand up to a a trial. Huge. Think about that. But he's okay to be president of the United States if the 25th Amendment isn't enacted today. If that process hasn't started already, every individual that's able to enact that process should be impeached.
3: It's wild. You know, when you look at the connections to this case, too, and and the components around it, I mean, you have Robert Herr, who is a disciple of Rod Rosenstein, connected to James Comey and Robert Mueller, that whole investigation, the murky parts the darkest parts of the swamp that were in and around you know everything from Donald Trump's campaign all the way up through spying through the transition team and then even maybe in the White House we we still don't know and and you know when you were looking for a favorable ruling for Joe Biden it was like two sided this was almost like the deep state strikes back and there's been so many people who have alluded to the fact that The only reason Joe Biden's still in this race is because of his family, because of his wife. She is insistent on not giving up this power grab that they have. And for as much as Hillary Clinton and the Obamas and everybody else around him has tried to say, let's figure out a way to graciously get you out of here. It seems like they've pushed back just about as hard as you possibly could up to the point now where we have this constitutional crisis when you look at it. I mean, you have an entity, a legal entity, a special counsel appointed by the U.S. Attorney General essentially saying, That this man is not mentally capable to stand trial, which means how could he be mentally fit to hold the highest executive office on the planet? It's wild the way that this shaped up and even crazier the way that it shakes down now because we're just going to see. The only person that's going to get Joe Biden out of this race is Joe Biden or Congress. and, And for as dysfunctional as Congress has been. It's going to be interesting to see how many Democrats want to get on board. I mean, you had CNN and MSNBC cutting live feeds of his press conference last night when he kind of went off the rails. And then for the last 12 hours since he spoke, they've just been out there kind of running interference for, you know, this isn't a big deal. Joe Biden's sharp and this, that and the other thing. I mean, you have the conservative, the real people who conduct journalism in this sector over here, you know, kind of shooting straight on how it is. It's just like Donald Trump. If you don't like him, that's one thing, but let's look at the absolute facts. And we all know that Joe Biden has been in mental decline for quite some time, but now you have a legal entity officially stating it and making, you know, the case like he's a man in hospice.
1: Yeah. It's even worse than that though. You know, this is the most credible direct documentation that a group of individuals that is not elected by the people or the states of the United States of America is actually running the country from the executive branch instead of the President of the United States, which is the only position in this country that is elected by all of the states and all of the people to represent them and to control the executive branch. Think about that. It is, it is legal documentation that this group some people call it the deep state cabal. Yep. Some people call it the firm. Uh, I think Mike Lee's taking a call in Schumer and the uh, and and the, the leadership in the Congress. The firm. Uh, some people call it uh, uh, a whole host of other things. Uh, but what it is is clearly an unelected group of individuals that is running the United States government. And the commander in chief and president of the United States is entirely incapable of doing that job and if like i said if the 25th amendment is not invoked that every individual that is able to invoke try to invoke the 25th amendment uh today if it's not done today started today every one of those people should come up on impeachment charges for not fulfilling their oath to support and defend the constitution of the united states uh and and it's perfectly uh Common sense, it's perfect common sense to do this uh, because if you really think that it's okay, then we might as well call ourselves the Soviet Union because that's the way the Soviet Union ran. You remember the Politburo was that group of unelected individuals, even though their constitution had elections and those kind of things. But the Politburo was that group that ran the country Uh, from behind the scenes. And when they wanted a a leader out, they killed him or off, got him sick or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's that's essentially what you're witnessing in the United States of America today. Look, it pains me to say that. I've served this country in uniform, risked my life for it, lost friends for it, uh, believe in its founding values, believe in its constitution. And to see this this, uh, and become almost completely powerless as a still commissioned officer in the United States Air Force under the commission of the president of the United States, uh, that that is not just troubling, uh, it is infuriating. And it has the nation, the population of this nation, on a track to see the nation's destruction before their eyes. Uh, and there is no path forward being put place by anybody that's a leader in this country that is in elected power at this point. There are a lot of us out here that's that are talking about what needs to be done. Uh, uh, I mean, we have the power of our voices and assembly and those kind of things so far, uh, uh, but a lot of people have had that removed from them. Sure, uh, look at the January six cases. So exactly, I mean that. But that is this this group is running the country. I tweeted out last night just a simple tweet. Where are the nuclear codes tonight? Who has the nuclear codes tonight? Because Joe Biden, as long as he has a heartbeat and is able to have consciousness uh, and brain activity, is the sole living person that could defend our nation against a nuclear attack. And believe me, we are in a very precarious situation when it comes to nuclear strategic deterrence on China and Russia at this point because of our own actions.
3: You ain't lying to this group. Well, you're telling the absolute truth there, Colonel. And, you know, calling Joe Biden an empty suit just isn't a term of endearment or, or a way to take a pot shot at him anymore. It's it's It looks like it's the absolute truth. We're going to leave it there, and we're going to be jumping into this topic a little bit more as we come back with the news in our next segment. Now, we're obviously going to be live linking your website in the show description today. But anybody that wants to check you out, Colonel, where can they find you?
1: Uh, RobManus.com. The show's now uh, going to be up on Patriot.tv. You can you can type that in. It goes right to their site too. Uh, and we're excited about that. It's a new network and uh, it's going to be huge. A lot of great momentum uh, coming in behind it. Some exceptional people that are operating that.
3: We'll be looking to live link that in the show description and sitting down with you again very soon. This is the U.S. Air Force Combat Veteran, host of The Rob Manus Show. Mr. Rob Manis, thanks for joining us today. Have a great weekend.
1: Thanks, my friend. Keep up the great work.
8: We have breaking news, major news, special counsel Robert Herr has declined to prosecute President Biden for his handling of classified documents. Forgive me, I'm reading directly from our top lines. He said Biden's practices, though, present serious risks to national security and added that President Biden portrayed himself as an elderly man with a poor memory who would be sympathetic to a jury. Quote, our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen, the report said. But the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Again, this is the special counsel investigation by Robert Hur, who was confirmed under Donald Trump into President Biden's handling of classified documents.
3: All right, jumping back into the news portion of the show today, it was always a pleasure to catch up with Colonel Rob Manis. We're going to be having a big announcement from Montana Congressman Representative Rosendale at the end of this segment here to conclude our first edition of the podcast today. And that was the breaking news that came across the Newswire yesterday regarding a ruling on the special counsel appointed to Joe Biden's document case. Now, Noah, I know you kind of were able to at least get through the headlines on this. Pretty damning when you read or at least hear what she said. From the official statement put out on behalf of the Office of the Special Counsel and Robert Herr, who who led this investigation, and Joe Biden can't be prosecuted even though he definitely committed crimes because of his mental capacity. What do you think about that?
2: I mean, it literally sounds like they said yes, he did all this shit. He's guilty of it, but he can't stand trial because he's non competent. That that's fucking wild. Or they is that we're going to have this guy be the president still?
3: Apparently so, as of today, and for all the cover that the mainstreams running for him. I think Alex Jones put it one time. Honest with you. I'm kind of retarded. And now all the memes on Joe Biden being a complete retard. I mean, I've seen the word retard on social media so many times over the last almost 24 hours now that what else can you say? I mean, the memers. No, he did a press conference
2: where he confused Mexico and Egypt. I mean, that one, that one's hard to explain away like uh former French prime minister, whatever it was like, yeah. Okay. That's fine. Maybe the, maybe you got, but you were buffering in the, uh, the last decade, but (laughs) that, that confusing entire regions. Come on.
3: One of the memes I saw yesterday, this is uh Joe Biden's version of the old Testament. And the Lord said to Moses, go to Mexico and tell them to let my people go. (laughs) (laughs) Then, of course, there was the other classic. It's the car that's veering off the freeway onto the exit ramp. And, and of course, remaining on the freeway was mentally unstable, but it's getting off on the exit ramp saying, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory.
2: Yeah, well-meaning. Yeah, hey, guess what? The country doesn't run on well-meaning. The country runs on strength. And that's why we're in the predicament that we're in right now because there hasn't been, well, there hasn't even been well-meaning at this point either, say, any of the stuff that's, that's happening right now could be remotely construed as well, meaning more like the detriment to the country, just destruction from within.
3: 100% accurate. I'm going to read an excerpt from some of that report that came out yesterday. In addition to the shortage of evidence, there are other innocent explanations for the documents we cannot refute. When Mr. Biden told his ghostwriter he just found all the classified stuff downstairs, that's a quote, he could have been referring to something other than the Afghanistan documents. And our report discusses these possibilities in detail. We have considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did as an interviewee of us as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory based on the direct interactions with him and observances of him. He is immune from whom many jurors want to identify as reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince that jury that they should convict him by a former president well into his 80s, of serious crimes. They just want to give him a free pass in regards to the trial portion of this. And it's not like the dates are ridiculous, Noah. Joe Biden could not say what dates he served as the vice president to Barack Obama. That was less than eight years ago. In addition yeah, to that, far away. and we all know that he likes to pin medals on his D.C. son, Bo Biden, who was a veteran, who did serve in the military, but also came back to the United States and was a senator before developing brain cancer and eventually passing away. Joe Biden didn't know he couldn't even come within half a decade of when Beau Biden died because he makes up so many stories about it. every time somebody comes back as part of a combat death, Joe Biden addresses Gold Star families like his son died fighting on the tip of the spear during the initial Iraq invasion.
2: My son's in the coffin next to your son. Yeah.
3: Wild the way that this kind of just flooded the news circuit yesterday, and I, I was thinking like they can't let Donald Trump take W's into the weekend after the, what seemed like favorable oral arguments at the Supreme Court, uh, which we're going to talk about in our next edition of the podcast. We're going to lead in with uh, attorney and author Christina Bob's going to join us as well, and Donald Trump winning the Nevada and Virgin Island caucuses last night. And then all of a sudden this drops like in like the late evening. And then the worst thing possibly for Joe Biden could have happened. They have to get ahead of this. So what do they do? They go into his room, probably unstrap him from his bed, change his diapers, slap him around a couple of times, give him some shots and be like, hey, we got some bad news. You got to take your ass downstairs and talk to the country. They started the press conference at almost 8 p.m. Eastern time, which is definitely well past any time you see Joe Biden out in public or doing anything related to his job. And as you can imagine, this did not go as well as probably planned by the Biden team. We're going to jump right into these clips right now, starting off with Joe Biden whining about some of the questions that were being asked about excerpts from this statement as part of the report that Robert Herr put out by the special counsel. Let's hear Joe Biden giving a statement regarding what he felt was the findings of the special
4: counsel? There's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Right, right. Some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died. Every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of...
3: Oh! He forgot what, what rosary? Every
4: Memorial Day, we hold a service remembering <laughs> him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to remind me when he passed away. Or when he passed away.
2: Good God! <laughs> Can you imagine his handlers standing in the wings for that? Just wanting to scream, Our Lady of, whatever the answer was. I was going to say Guadalupe. No, he forgot the church or, or the saint. The name of where he got the no, he, he forgot the name of where he got the yeah the rosary from.
3: And, and then yeah. segued straight down to, I'll do it myself.
2: I don't need. And I didn't anybody. answer the question because I thought to myself, it's none of their business, even though it's fucking public knowledge they were just making sure you knew you fucking idiot even though you
3: were put under oath
2: yeah fuck mm-hmm.
3: ugly but no that's that's not even
2: getting into the juicy parts of it Joe and, but- that, and was that his handlers actually thinking that that was a good defense or is that him just going off the fucking teleprompter They
3: had about an hour and 15 minutes to put together a prepared statement, which, of course, Joe Biden read off the teleprompter. That was one time when he went off the prompter, when he talked about the actual church. Mm -hmm. Then he talked about Israel saying that their response or current behavior in Gaza right now is over the top, and he wants it to stop. And he said when he talked about the developing refugee situation there, he said he talked to the... He said he talked to President Al-Sisi of Mexico and said Mm -hmm. that he needs to open up his borders and allow in humanitarian aid. To which point I think Mike Collins posted this morning, Joe Biden's going to build a wall. Yeah, I saw that one on the border of Egypt and Gaza and make Mexico pay for it and confuse the shit out of everybody. (laughs) But they would get to a, question and answer portion of this after the prepared statement and the first question he took was from fox news's peter ducey it was quite a heated back and forth not as heated as the second one but let's hear this one first something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because in his description you are a well-meaning
1: elderly man with a poor memory
4: I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president. and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need oh, yeah. his recommendation. It's How totally bad out.
3: is your memory, and can
4: you continue as president? My memory is so bad. I let you speak. Oh. That's uh, that's, Do you that's my your
5: memory has gotten worse, no, Mr. President? Look,
4: my memory is not. Good. My memory is fine. My memory. Take a look at what I've done since I become president. Oh God. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? Kevin McCarthy. No, I guess I just forgot what was going on.
2: <laughs> yeah, you didn't do anything. You just got led around, fed ice cream, and just undermined everything that was good about the country. Ever since it happened, you know, we've
3: told everybody in our listenership, Joe Biden said it so well himself, hey, listen, Jack, no refunds. We're stuck yep. with this. <laughs> and I think today we're still... Friday on the West Coast, out here on the Steak for Breakfast podcast, I think Joe Biden, the First Lady, is in... If this is the way it's going to go down, it's fucking let burn it down. Burn it down mode. Double the weaponry to Ukraine. Yeah. Completely condemn Israel, one of our strongest geopolitical allies, in every way, shape, or form. And, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to forcefully take back Shelby Park at Eagle Pass. At this point, send in the National Guard, handcuff them all, lead them out, and call them traitors to the United. I fucking
2: burn it down. Put them in the wing next to the January Six people. Exactly. Exactly. And but, but actually, like, don't feed them though. Even worse.
3: Yeah. We did get ridiculously crotchety and off the rails. Remember angry Joe Biden from the 2020 presidential cycle.
2: You remember when we used to call him, the angry clone? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> well, he did his best impersonation of that one last night. Let's hear it.
4: share classified information. I did not share it. With your ghostwriter. With right, my ghostwriter. Right. I did not. Guarantee you did not. But what the special counsel right. said it No, did, did not did that. say that. Okay. Oh, did but, not say that. But, Mr. President, what what other... let, let me okay, answer your question. You. The fact of the matter is, what I didn't want repeated. I didn't want him to not, and I didn't read it to him was I had written a long memorandum to President Obama why we should not be in, this, in Afghanistan. And I was of this multiple pages. And so what I was referring to, I said classified. I should have said it was, should be private because it was a contact oh. between the president and the vice president as to what was going on. That's what he was referring to. It was not classified information in that document.
1: Oof.
3: That's all you need. It's now like eight seventeen PM last night and Joe Biden's like literally screaming at reporters and slamming his hands on the podium saying like they're reading questions quoting Robert Hur's report on what happened during this investigation and Joe Biden's just saying And he's saying it's not what happens. It's <laughs> not what happened. And here's the thing it, it apparently Joe Biden, it looks like he was writing a book, maybe some memoirs about his time, you know, in the Senate. Well, that's what the ghostwriter was for, Noah. And, you know, the special counsel was confused why there was so much commentary on the sides of these classified documents. And it's because, probably going for historical accuracy, Joe Biden was orally confirming or adding commentary to what was the contents of these classified documents. And apparently, somebody that worked for Joe Biden or the ghostwriter was making notes
2: as part of this book that they were collaborating on. And they were making them on the copies of the classified documents that they had? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Foot- footnotes and commentary
3: in, in the margins of classified materials that was taken back from Joe Biden.
2: And it's not in Joe Biden's handwriting, I'm assuming.
3: Well, they, they were a little vague when it came to that point, but when they asked him about it, he was oh, I don't know where that came from. I, I said all the classified stuff's
2: downstairs, Jack. Corn pop probably took it. Mm. Yeah, good old corn pop Did you look at the trunk of my car?
3: Joe Biden's been hiding all day And you see the interference Joy Reid on The View Leave Joe Biden alone Kamala Harris This is a political hit job Senior advisors for the White House team Joe Biden's team that's around him all day Changing his diapers and feeding him ice cream And Jell-O Saying that, you know The special counsel came to the conclusion That Joe Biden won't stand trial And they leave it at that they're, they're trying to confuse the American public. Joe Biden committed literal crimes here.
2: Yeah, you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, you know what? He's not going to have to stand trial. And that's it. We're good. No, you have to, you have to show that, okay, he's not going to stand trial. But the reason he's not going to stand trial is damning for his presidential run. It is.
3: And here's the deal. By overplaying their hand... And by trying to get cute and saying like, oh, Merrick Garland, we are going to appoint a special counsel to President Biden as well. Now, even if some bullshit D.C. federal court or Jack Smith led special counsel, which I don't think is going to happen in this case that's being oversaw by Judge Cannon, a Trump appointee down in Florida, figures out a way to convict President Trump in this. The Supreme Court is going to roll it up in a ball and Kobe it into the wastebasket. (laughs) literally because listen, if Joe Biden is going to stay president and try to run for reelection after that report, you think they're going to hold Donald Trump accountable for things that technically he was still the president when it happened. And technically he was still privy to that information based on the proximity of how he left the oval office and what went on as he was transitioning into Mar-a-Lago. It's a courtesy that has been granted to every president on the planet since they started providing oversight on this stuff from the National Archives. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, who watched this in real time with Jesse Waters on his show, provided some commentary on this shortly after Joe Biden went back to sleep. Let's hear.
8: Special Counsel Robert Hur, who just said to the American people that the president has issues mentally, uh, hazy memory and diminished faculties, your reaction Well, I think Dana pretty much said, you know, my thoughts exactly is that they have to know Every staffer should know what they're dealing with, whether it's a candidate or a president, is what's their strengths, what's not their strengths. And that's really the challenge with President Biden is he has very few strengths. He is not good at night. He was emotional. A statement would have been better. And this only made it a much, much worse situation for him. After this report came out, he just came out and proved he has diminished capacity. He couldn't even refer to the right country with the right president and the right conflict and the right war. It was, wow, it was a lot.
3: She's still digesting it today, you know, and she's not wrong. Maybe a prepared statement that was just issued through the communications office or the, the, you know, via the White House press pool. Maybe John Kirby or KGP could have put something out last night and they could have had a more, I don't want to say cognate, but less than what we saw last night, Joe Biden. What do you think, Noah? Yeah. It, it, it just was ugly and, and there was nothing good about it. And all this does is, you know, this hurts everything for the Democrats right now. And I don't think for all those people out there, all of the usual clickbaiters and the America First Circle jerk, etc., who are saying now it's Michelle Obama's time to shine. Here comes Gavin Newsom. You still got Kamala Harris. She's the first self-proclaimed black vice president who's a female that you just can't throw out because
2: Joe Biden's, essentially mentally retarded and And if they do and if they do end up having to just like knock her out of the running she's gonna just tear everything down she's she's probably gonna go fucking buck wild
3: not only they have booked heads uh joe biden and kamala harris's office since they were forced onto the ticket together and i couldn't imagine the ways that she will completely evaporate his legacy if they ever try to like throw her out and the infighting right now up at 1600 pennsylvania avenue and everywhere adjacent has to be epic i mean kamal harris did come out today and run interference for joe biden saying he was the sharpest person she's ever talked to last clip i got before we're going to jump in with congressman Nat rosendale cnn last night was talking about the ghost rider in context uh what's going on with this whole component of the special counsel and until we get the full report we're not going to know i think it's book related uh, memoir related and things of that nature but listen if i was donald trump's attorneys today i would be reaching out to that guy and offering him everything under the sun to talk like a parrot let's hear it Facts:
0: joe biden established by this report Joe Biden retained sensitive, classified documents after he left the vice presidency. Marked
8: classified? Yes.
0: Marked classified, highest level, top secret SCI. They related to our international affairs, to war plans, to foreign relations. He knew it. He knew it. He's on tape after he's out of the vice presidency saying to his autobiographer, the classified documents are in the basement. He knew it,
8: but he just denied that. That's exactly that, that so that's a key part of the report. It's a second sentence in the report. And he just denied sharing that with the ghostwriter. And I yep. just looked at this closely. Uh, they had recorded conversations between Biden and this ghostwriter. exactly writer.
3: wild. Who knows if the special counsel was able to obtain those? I've heard there's a possibility they could have been destroyed. But if they did get them, will those transcripts of the telephone conversations ever be released to the American public? Who knows? But let me just say, Joe Biden's had a lot of bad days since he took over the Oval Office. Things like the Afghanistan, Vladimir Putin trampling over his red line in Ukraine, what he's done to the domestic economy, ruined our foreign relations and everything in between. But when you talk about what the contents of this report from the Robert Hurd-led special counsel says about Joe Biden, the person, all the commentary and making fun of him and memes go out the window and we have to talk about the reality Of the man who's supposed to be in sole possession of the nuclear codes. We're going to continue to talk about this throughout the course of our show. We'll touch on it with Congressman Rosendale as well as our guest in our next edition of the podcast. We're getting ready to jump in with Congressman Rosendale right now. But before we do that, let's check in with one of our partners.
2: It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, options you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you that's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order 1-800-527-2150 make america healthy again
3: all right joining us next on the show today this big friday edition of the state for breakfast podcast he's the congressman who represents montana too One of our favorites to have on, Representative Matt Rosendale. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. Big morning. Big morning. And before we get into any of the news and trust us listenership, there was a year's worth of news and headlines made yesterday. You made a brand new one this morning, Congressman. Why don't you tell our listenership about the big announcement?
0: Yeah, so I I officially filed to run for the United States Senate here in Montana this morning at the Capitol, uh, surrounded by the Speaker of the Montana House, uh, about a Three dozen legislators, my wife by my side and uh, the people of Montana were represented well.
3: You know, Congressman, this is a big announcement here. We see such a favorable Senate map for Republicans heading into this election cycle. We see some of the longstanding rhinos, never Trump, senators leaving. We see Mitch McConnell slowly losing his grip on power in the Senate. So many more senators are willing to speak out on leadership right now after all of these bad decisions, you know, everything from the border to supplemental funding and everything in between. What went through your mind that had this be right now the time to make this decision for the United States?
0: Well, I've got such an outpouring of support from the people across the state. Uh, Matt Gates and I did a tour about two weeks ago uh, to overcapacity crowds at, at four separate events. And then when we start thinking about it, who is going to help President Trump pursue and pass his agenda in January 25 when he regains control over the White House? It's uh, I'm going to be there. I support the same things that he does. We have a mutual enemy. His name is Mitch McConnell. Guess what? When Tim Sheehy uh, was thinking about who he was going to support for the president, when I was voting against electors in 2021 to support President Trump to get back into the White House, Tim Sheehy was contributing to Nikki Haley for president. Yep. When when Alvin Bragg... uh, brought up bogus charges against President Trump on indictment day. I was literally standing beside the president in Mar-a-Lago. Guess what Tim G was doing? He was making contributions to Tim Scott to run against President Trump. He picked another horse. This guy is going to follow the money, the same as Mitch McConnell follows the money, and they are not going to push this America First agenda that we all know is absolutely critical.
3: It's wild to see how this, the, not only the Senate map, but just the, the laying of the land when it comes to politics right now and how it seems like, listen, if you told me at the beginning of the year we'd be today and everything that happened already has happened, I would have probably not believed you, even after all the stuff that went down with COVID. But, you know, when, when you talk about your primary challenger right now in Sheehy and then the bigger picture, which is John Tester, the guy that we have to get out of there, you know, I, I think the way my Mon- – the people in Montana have reacted to not only what you've done as a congressman in the House of Representatives, but potentially what you bring to the table. It seems like it's pretty good fuel to the fire that's going to make this uh, quite a heated primary, to say the very least.
0: Well, what people understand is that I serve the way that I campaign. Um, I, I have actually gone out there and taken those difficult votes. When it was time to change the rules in the House of Representatives, Uh, I stood up with a very small group of individuals and demanded that we were able to get regular order restored to the House, to have 72 hours to review legislation, to have single subject legislation, to make sure that we had the motion to vacate the chair uh, restored after Nancy Pelosi had removed it. And guess what? We ended up having to utilize that motion to vacate in order to remove Kevin McCarthy because he sold us out because he gave Joe Biden a debt ceiling that was a basically $4 trillion additional debt on top of the American people. He passed legislation with more Democrat votes than he did Republican votes. And I demonstrated that I was willing to stand up and call him out for that and remove him for doing that. And, and so when Mitch McConnell and the Senate leadership see someone who is that principled, that is willing to take that kind of a risk, it horrifies them. They are anaphylactic. They cannot believe that something like that might be in the United States Senate. And then you combine that with Mike Lee and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson, and all of a sudden they've got a group of individuals that can absolutely change the course of Senate, which means we will change the course of history and we will be able to pass
3: President Trump's agenda. I think that's the biggest there there. You know, uh, people, we've tried to condition our listenership, Congressman, you know it, you know, for for as much as just the conservative – enjoyers of politics like to go out and hit Congress for all the stuff that they either do or don't get done. We, we try to explain on so many occasions and then we bring so many of you guys in from the house of representatives and even the Senate with, you know, some of the senators coming in here every once in a while to join us and just how this is a vote bait system, two to three levels of voting are in control of the Democrats right now. So legislatively it's going to be tight, but future wise, there's a lot of optimism for the ways you guys, you'd mentioned it already. You change the rules in the house that sets a whole new precedent for the next session of Congress. And that has your fingerprints all over it. And then there's you know, the things with Donald Trump coming back, flipping the Senate, retaining the House, have all three branches of power, boom. Agenda 47 gets passed a lot more streamlined than it would, let's just say, if Democrats took the House back next year. So all of these things are important. And then when you look at the groundwork for all the stuff that's been laid out now, I do want to touch with you on a couple of items. We are going to have and got a confirmation yesterday from the office of Steve Scalise that he will be returning to Capitol Hill next week. So as you guys look on the prospectus of getting over the finish line regarding the Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment and, and getting that W for House Republicans in this session of Congress right now, do you see or anticipate any other speed bumps along the way heading to that vote, most likely on Tuesday?
0: I don't think so. Uh, they've had a, a pretty good count on the impeachment for Mayorkas, and I think that once we get Steve Scalise back in there on Tuesday, that that will pass. Uh, it's going to be interesting again to see what the Senate does. Fact is, uh, we're I'm the 51st vote in the United States Senate. Yep. Once Joe Manchin retired, we know that West Virginia is going to become Republican. Okay, so that means where. Is the next Republican vote that we are likely to secure in the United States Senate, and I am that vote, and so that is going to put us in that good position. What do we have over the next six months in the House? I think that hopefully we can get this FISA legislation straightened out. I am I am so disgusted by watching our uh, intelligence agencies and to surveil American citizens and have been able to go ramshackle. Uh, through people's telephone records and their email records. We must reform FISA. To, to see the, the FISA and the NDAA attached to each other and then passed uh, basically gives the intelligence community the ability to, to conduct this surveillance upon every American citizen. And then, because of the way it was written, the NDAA gives the United States military the ability to snatch you up take you to Guantanamo Bay, lock you up and and hold you in detention for an unlimited amount of time without charges or representation. We've got to restore this. And and that is why the House needs to start using the power of the purse strings to rein these bureaucratic agencies in.
3: It's the absolute truth, and it's a long time coming. And, you know, I think Focusing on stuff like the FISA and and stripping down some of the absolute garbage that's in things like the NDA is is an awesome goal for you guys to be setting up for the back end of this session of Congress. And then when you look forward to some of the bigger items you might be taking on, you know, there's looking to be some more uh, open hearings and investigations into the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry. Congressman, last thing I want to touch with you on. After yesterday's ruling from the special counsel led by Robert Hur, where You know, they found Joe Biden guilty of crimes related to these classified documents and materials he took to his house. I think anybody who starts to deconstruct where the documents were, that there was notes and margins of the doc. Joe Biden was writing memoirs or a book, and whoever his ghostwriter was, he he probably wanted to make sure he was historically accurate when referencing these things. Now, I don't know if that's what he used all the classified documents for, but anyone who knows politics understands that's probably the premise that he used to have these at the time. But when you talk about the mental competency that was referenced in multiple parts of this uh, interview that was conducted over, you know, months into this investigation where Joe Biden can remember dates, times, family members, what years he was the vice president of the United States. I'm pretty sure that Speaker Johnson and the rest of Congress is going to be looking at this. How do you think House Republicans are going to at least begin to break down this ruling and, and how it affects the way the government's being ran right now?
0: So House Republicans are looking at this. And when you see that report come out, it should it should scare everyone in this country um, dramatically. Because guess what? Guess who else is looking at that? Every single one of our adversaries. And if you're not competent enough to come in and answer questions about documents that you had in your garage, how in the world can we feel comfortable that you are the commander in chief, supposedly, protecting our nation this is the problem and and it's not it's not just the decisions that get made in one given time it's all of the compounding bad decisions that have been made since the man took office that have that have fueled this chaos that is taking place around the world right now whether you consider the attacks from um Iran and and the groups uh that are that are contained within there, uh, or, or Putin attacking Ukraine or China flexing their muscles. This all is a compounding uh, effect of having this this weak, weak, sorry, feeble old man in the White House.
3: Yeah, it's it's just mind-blowing to see the way the ruling came down. It was definitely a, a strike back from the deep state, and it shows not just people in our listenership or, or enjoyers of politics, but everybody. You know, they say there's a two-tier system of justice. We agree with that. We say that Democrats have it so much easier up in Washington, D.C. than Republicans do. Also true. But when they know that there's, you know, a piece of, let's just say, damaged material, like Joe Biden appears to be now with his mental decline, even a little bit of physical decline, and things of that nature, I mean, he couldn't even get... Through his press conference yesterday, addressing these issues without making several gaffes and then just snapping at reporters in primetime television. It was wild to watch that going down. Meanwhile, Donald Trump's being declared the winner of the Nevada and Virgin Iowa caucuses mm-hmm. at the same time. It's definitely showing America there's, a, there's an alternative that we, we were, had a lot more fruitful existence uh, just a few short years ago and what we're kind of stuck with now. But as you see this kind of sh- shaking down in Donald Trump's success heading into this general election cycle, which by Super Tuesday, it will be the general election cycle, you think President Trump's just going to absolutely steamroll his way back to the White House in November? I
0: do. I do. Uh, I'm going to do my part to make sure I deliver Montana for him. Not that he's going to need any, any assistance. That's going to be a a 20 point victory here, but uh, the people of Montana will support him. The people across the, uh, the flyover country will support him. And I, I think at this point, you're even going to see Wisconsin. I think you're going to see Georgia. I think you're going to see Arizona. I think you're going to see them finally come to the uh, uh, realization that, wow, Things were going pretty good when we had Donald Trump in the White House, and they're not doing so well now. Maybe we better get back to it.
3: Those Rust Belt states are looking at Joe Biden every time he starts talking about electric vehicles. Standing outside in a picket line for 15 minutes does not mean that you're going to have your job in a second Joe Biden administration. I think a lot of people in Michigan and like you already mentioned, Wisconsin and places like that, they understand that. And I think they're all kind of gravitating towards president Trump, but we are going to be gravitating. Our listenership to is your website today. We always link the congressional website in the show description. We're going to be linking your Senate candidacy website in the show description today as well. Matt, where can we find you on social media? We want to direct everybody to check you out and help you out.
0: Please do MattForMontana.com. for Matt F O R Montana.com. And remember your listening audience. I don't have the corporate support. Mitch McConnell has has basically uh, declared me enemy number one uh, across this nation. So I'm going to be dependent upon all of your listeners that can can help us with 10, 15, twenty five dollars. That's how we're going to fund this campaign with the the real uh, people across this nation, not the white collar folks, not the blue collar folks, a lot of the no collar folks. That's what I'm going to be dependent upon.
3: I need your support. And we'll be looking to give it to you. This is the congressman representing Montana too, who's looking to be the next senator in the Big Sky State. Representative Matt Rosendale, thanks for joining us on the show today. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for having me on. Guys, we're coming back with another all-new edition of the Stake for Breakfast podcast. So sit back, relax, and allow us to change the way you consume your news.